Hi, I'm Amber, and welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. And today I have a special guest with us. Her name is Jennifer Lettington, and let me make sure I get this right. She is a high-performance mindset coach. Did I say that right? (laughs) Yeah, I got to know. Well, welcome, Jennifer, first of all. Now, I got to know, what is that? What is that? (laughs) What, what, What do you do? Yeah. So I have this really fun way of explaining what I do. And I think this really lands with people and it's kind of fun. So long ago, I realized that my superpower is being a generator, right? Generate people's own power so they can empower themselves. So I like to be called Jen, the generator. And what I help people do is blow up those limiting beliefs, blow them up, the ones that aren't serving them so they can stop blowing up their life, right? Because those self-sabotaging beliefs are really what puts an end to all of our goals or visions or, you know, dreams that we have. So what I do is I give people the tools, strategies, and coach them into understanding why they have those behaviors, where they came from, and then how to shift them and practice changing them so that they can stop doing the the negative behavior. Awesome. Okay. Give an example. Just, oh, for sure. So for example, I'll use myself. Um, since we're going to be talking about this a little bit today. So I had this underlying belief that um, I wasn't good enough unless I looked a certain way, that I wasn't smart enough. And that the only thing I could offer the world is if I showed up attractive or had a, a, a good body, or that was my offering to the world. And so I had this imposter syndrome whenever I tried to break free of those chains that would hold me back. Right. I thought that I wasn't smart enough to, to do my own business. I wasn't committed enough. I never finished what I started. And all I really had to fall back on was physicality, right? And appearances. Mm -hmm. And so that story perpetuated in my life and actually ultimately led me to my demise and the demise of my health, which is what we're going to talk about today. Awesome. Okay. Just to like insert something there. Don't you feel though, and and I, I think this is kind of sad to me, but it's really very true that when you are physically attractive, when you do have like a nice figure and you use that to your best abilities and you present yourself well, you get so much more out of life than say somebody who was overweight and not as confident because they didn't feel good about themselves. And I'll use my daughter as an example. Cause she's, she's absolutely gorgeous. She really is. And I mean, she just, it doesn't matter what she wears, what she does. She's just so pretty. And she probably has had some opportunities that maybe somebody else wouldn't have had. Yeah. Don't you think that that's a thing? Yeah, absolutely. But I also think it's a thing that even on the outside, as attractive as people might see you to be, there's a lot of um, breakdown of self-concept even for me. So as, as attractive as your daughter is, or, you know, these, these women we see all over Instagram, really that, that strive to live into that and continue that and stay that is really cemented in their identity. It was for me and that's who I became. And so my actions aligned with that versus who I actually am intrinsically. And so I, I understand what you're saying, but I also think that holding up to that standard put so much pressure <laughs> on me that it broke me down. And I had the lowest self-esteem standing on fitness stages, fitness modeling, being in magazines, like doing all the things I thought I was never thin enough. I, my abs weren't good enough. I, I was always trying to change myself. It was never enough. Mm-hmm. And because I was trying to prove over and over and over again, to be perfect, 
right? right. And I, I understand what you're saying, but I also think there's a side to that that's very detrimental. And <laughs> as a culture, we, you know, we really like put that on a pedestal. Yeah. Right. And so, so to live into that is a constant battle that is just, you can't do it. <laughs> it will ruin your health and, and your whole value system. Yep. So I, I understand what you're saying. And I, and I can feel how some people would think that, but there's another side to it, in my opinion. Oh, there absolutely is. And, you know, the other thing too, that's just like when you're overweight and you think, oh, all I need to be happy and to be successful is to be thin and I can wear all the cute clothes and I'll be so confident and my life will be magically happy. <laughs> well, how does that really work out? Sure, you're happy, you look better, you do feel more confident, yes, but that underlying issue that made you unhappy to begin with is still there, whether you have the weight or not, and you haven't dealt with that, you've just changed the outside, you haven't changed the inside, so yeah. And that's that tapping into, and so I think, to go back to that. So people always do think that, well, what do you know, right? You've been thin your whole life. What do you know? You've, you know, I, I know a lot about it and, and we all use different mechanisms to, to like hide our insecurities and our low self-concept. Right. And my mechanism was different than maybe someone who's binge eating and not purging, but I was binge eating and purging and then anorexic and over-exercising. I was doing all of it and using that mechanism to self-soothe, which is mm -hmm. self-sabotage because you know, we're trying to yeah. soothe our emotions, right? I and get it. I get yeah, it. Whether it's food mm -hmm. or whether it's not food mm -hmm. or whether it's sex or whether it's alcohol, right? It's something that mm -hmm. removes us from having to feel those emotions that are uncomfortable. Absolutely. Uh, I could not agree with you more. Been there, done that. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's get a little bit of your background. Um, mm -hmm just kind of like how your life went and then we'll eventually get into like the health issues and the, the emotional and mental issues that you face, but tell everybody like, what have you accomplished? Because I'm looking at everything that you've done and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting because I want to talk about that. There was a time in my life where I would have um, self-deprecated right now and said, Oh no, no, I didn't do all those things. Uh, and tried to, to, to negate the things that I have accomplished. And, and now I'm in a position in my life where I stand in that power. Right. And yes, like we all get to nice. own our accomplishments, you know, and I think women do that a lot to ourselves. So thank you. I need to work on it. I need to work yeah. on it. So yeah. <laughs> thank you for acknowledging me. I will take it. And, um, <laughs> you know, what I've had a lot of pride in, in my life is I, I have coached over a thousand women in my, in my career. And about 15 years ago, um, I started my own, um, fitness studio, brick and mortar fitness studio. I was, I've been a health and fitness professional for most of my career. And, um, that expanded into yoga studio. It expanded into my own protein bar company that I, that I created and sold. And I did all that as a single mom. So, um, uh, with baby on my hip. I opened that fitness studio, not because I wanted to, Amber, I'm not kidding. It, it wasn't something I ever thought that I would do, but I was put in a situation because someone had taken my power. I'd allowed someone to take my power, which was my ex-husband at the time. Mm. And here I am with a baby on my hip, trying to find my way out of abuse, trying to find my, myself, trying to find my way and protect my child from what I felt was detrimental to her. And, um, you know, at first fitness was like, 
it empowered me. It was this beautiful gift I'd given myself because the heavier the objects I could pick up, it was like the heavier load I could bear. Like it was just, it was this beautiful place where I could break myself down and then build myself back up again and show myself that I, I could commit to something hard. And I wanted that for other women, right? I just really wanted it for other women. And so that's what I created. And it was at first really beautiful. And it was really, it just really, you know, lit me up. But there was a moment where it shifted for me. <clears throat> and I think it shifts for a lot of women. And then we start using fitness for something else. And my worth and my value with my businesses, being the fitness person in my community, owning the gyms, put a lot of pressure on me on myself because I felt as if I didn't live into this physical expectation of standing on stages and competing, that it was not only going to jeopardize me, but my ability to make money and take care of my daughter. So my body was my worth. That became and your, dangerous. And your business. <laughs> really? And my business. And that became dangerous when I stopped believing that my knowledge, my experience, all the education I had, right. Was less important or less valuable than me having a six pack at all times or looking a certain way or having all the, the body parts you're supposed to have to be healthy. Right. Um, so it really started to bring me down this path, Amber, that was so dark and I was living such a lie. I was in this shameful cycle of self-sabotage day in and day out where I was literally exercising four hours a day, not, not even exaggerating one iota. I was starving myself. And then I would be so hungry that I would binge and just eat everything in sight because my body was just so depleted. And then I would get shameful like, Oh no, what if I gain an ounce? What if I don't look like this tomorrow and my clients no longer want to be a part of me or I can't sell my business or whatever. All these things would start coming to my mind and I would perch. And after eight years, eight of binging and purging and torturing my body, I was finally at a point where what pulled me out was my little daughter because she was finally old enough. And this is hard for me to talk about but she was finally old enough to where she looked, it was just her and I, right? It was, we were like, we're like, she looked across the table from me and here I am like putting on this fake image of health, super fraudulent, right? And, and I was part of the problem. I'm, I'm not gonna pretend like I wasn't, I was part of the problem, but I am now committed to being part of the solution. But here I was, Amber, like living a lie in front of my child and she, she looked at me across the dinner table one night and she said, mommy, just innocent. She's probably seven, maybe seven. And she said, mommy, have you ever eaten anything other than salad? And in that moment, I realized I was perpetuating my worst fear for other women and my own daughter. I was deeply convicted, deeply convicted. My integrity was convicted. My values were convicted in that second. She said that to me 
And that's when I knew it was time to get honest and to get real and to be authentic and transparent and start changing. And so I did. And it brought me to a different part of my purpose on this planet is still empowering women, right? I, but empowering them authentically and in a way that serves them and that allows them to understand their true intrinsic values versus what our culture has externally put on us to perform into. Mm-hmm. And that's my mission. So that's, I know that's a long-winded backstory, but, but I think it's really important for women to hear that story because it's not always what we perceive it to be. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've had similar things happen like when, with my kids, but it wasn't because I was overfit. It was the opposite because I was extremely obese. I had lots of health issues. I was embarrassed to go out and, you know, be seen. And so I wanted to do things and and be with my kids. And I mean, I was there for them. It's not that it's just, I wasn't there for them in the way that I should have been there for them. And, you know, and and I always felt the shame, like my kids were embarrassed about being seen with me. And when I said that to them as an adult, they were like, what? No, but you know, still. And then I had to think, what, what did their friends think? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, your mom's so fat, you know, those kind of things. So I know what you mean about what you're doing to your kids and what they saw me do to my body. And when I did go on diets and I, I abused myself, I mean, abused myself and th- they saw all of this, they, they saw how I treated myself and the negative self image that I had, even though I tried very hard to do things different with them. I was doing it to myself and they were witnessing it. So I get it. And I'm like, Oh God, what did I do? Yeah. And you know, I want to go, I want to speak to something that you said. And I, and I just, I just earmarked it as you were talking, because I think this is something that that women that might be right now looking at their health journey, right. That are watching that see fit women. And they're like, they don't know maybe what it's like to be ashamed to be seen or to go out. And you can't relate to that. And, and, and I, I want you guys to know that you might not realize it maybe, but on the other side of the coin, it's, it's the same thing, but a little different. So for me, I remember, I'm going to give you an example. I remember I was in my gym one day and one of my clients, she meant well, and I love her dearly, but she lifted up my shirt and she poked me in the stomach and she said, Oh, you better get back to your, to your diet. Um, so these things happen to people that are overfit too, because I was mm-hmm. afraid sometimes to be, to go to the water park with my daughter. If somebody saw me and I wasn't rocked out in that moment, mm-hmm. or if my abs weren't shredded, or if I was, my arms weren't ripped and my veins weren't popping, what were people going to think? I would cover myself up. So here I am wow. with this fitness body that's standing on stages, but I was covering myself up with baggy sweatshirts and clothes because I thought if I was maybe a little bit, not, not six pack, but maybe just a two pack, my client or someone would point that out and it would affect me. So, and I, and that, and that story is something that um, it's really, I mean, it's just really authentic and true. And that's how I felt. And sometimes I have to still manage that. Right. Cause I'm not there anymore. Like that's not my job anymore. And so my body's different, but my body's healthy, but I have to sometimes still manage that. Yeah. 
And I think that even women that are coming from being overweight don't see themselves now as maybe making a transition or not as overweight. And they still manage that too. It's like they, we have this warped vision of, of who we look like on the outside. And so thank you for bringing that up because I think that's an important thing to talk about also. Well, it sure is. And, and it's something that I've recently been going through. Now, I'm 54 and um, I've kind wow. of entered that. Um, You're 54. Wait, let's pause. Uh, for <laughs> I really I am. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 I am. <laughs> but I'm kind of going through that whole menopause thing, right? So my hormones are wackadoodle. And the other thing that I just did some blood tests because I wanted to rule out like Hashimoto's and some stuff like that. And my blood tests were rocking. I'm just going to say, yay, go carnivore. However, the one thing that was super bad, like really like shoo, way on the other side, cortisol, mm -hmm. the stress hormone, yay, which makes it super easy to put on weight, right? Well, I've been gradually kind of putting on some weight between the hormones. I haven't changed my eating at all. I haven't changed activity at all. It's the same as I've been doing, okay, for the past year and a half, longer than that, 20 whatever months. And nothing has changed. But because my situation has changed, my hormones have changed, I'm having to go through something like that too. And, you know, it does make you feel very insecure because here you are trying to be the advocate advocate and promote and people look up to you. And I have interviewed people who talk about how they be, are being judged because they don't fit the right body for carnivore, that they are not exactly a, a good person to represent the community. And I'm thinking, okay, well, uh, I'm having, I'm going through a little bit of change here too, that I'm having to readjust and evolve along with what my body is doing. I, I only have so much control and I'm like, okay, when am I going to get judged? Maybe I'm already being judged. I don't know. You know, maybe I've been judged from the get go. Maybe I've never been thin enough. Maybe I've, I, I don't know, but, uh, I try not to read too many comments and stuff, but you know, it, it is, it is a scary thing. And talking to so many people, they, they, after I do the interview and I post it, there's these crappy little comments and I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's another thing that I try to help women manage is we're, we're constantly in fear, which is one of the reasons we self-sabotage too. <clears throat> we're constantly in fear of that judgment, being kicked out of the tribe, right? Being yes. I mean, being kicked out of the tribe is like this ancestral need to be a part of, right? So if we're feeling like our differences or taking a risk or a chance or being different could put us out as the black sheep or kick us out of the tribe, we stop ourselves, right? That's self-sabotage, right? Yep. So we stop ourselves because we're afraid of what could happen on the other side, which is what I did, right? Which is why I stopped myself from diving deeper into my business, why I stopped my success. I sabotaged my own success. And so I, I realized I'm, I'm just giving my power away left and right. And I also am, am like you, you're in the arena. We are in the arena. And when you're in the arena, there's lots of people on the sidelines that have a lot to say, yeah. right? But you have to remember that leaders, like, and I tell this to my clients, leaders, change makers, we stand under the sign that says, don't stand here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and, and you have to be willing, right? Like, we have to be willing as women and, and leaders to say, you know, I care more about serving then I care about what you think about me. Mm -hmm. And I've had to, man that's when I start getting into those moments when I was just telling you I had to manage that sometimes, 
I have to keep telling myself to keep showing up because it's not about me. And, right. and when I can get out of that, it's not about me. It's not all about me and my ego. Then I can finally serve at a higher level. And that's what you're doing. That's what you're Amen. doing. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. And I'm using my experiences. Yes. And, you know, I've changed a little bit of my message because now I'm like, I, I understand more about how it's very important to evolve. And you can't always stay the same. That's not a health journey. You have to evolve with, with your body, your, your circumstances, your whatever's going on. Yes. And that's another thing we should talk about really quickly because in this industry, right? I mean, I've done it all. I've preached it all. I've said, I've done paleo. I've done Atkins. I've done South Beach. I mean, I've low carb, no carb. I mean, all of it. Like I've gotten dogmatic in every area of health that I could during that you know, cultural thing, because I didn't want to be kicked out of the tribe. Let's just be clear. And, and now I know better right now. I know much better, but that that's where I was. Amber, like that's literally as a health person, as a fitness person, I was so afraid of speaking out against the cultural norms because I didn't want to be kicked out of the tribe that I quieted myself. I'm not going to do that anymore. Right. We don't get to do that. And if you kick me out, kick me out, but this is me. These are my values. This is what I stand for. This is what I know works for me and my body. Yours might be different. That's great. But this is what I know works for me. And whether people like hearing that I eat carnivore or not, I don't care. Like, this is what works for me. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to pretend that it's, you know, bad or not. I'm not going to judge it. I'm just going to say, this is what works for me. You make your own choice. And I get what you're saying about that because we have to evolve and change and, and fitness and nutrition all evolves and changes as science changes. Mm-hmm. However, when you know what works for you, you yeah. know, what works for you. Like we know, I know what works for me. I, I know I can't have dairy for, you know, more than two days in a row or inflammations out of, out of, off the charts. Right. I know what works for me. And, and so that's another thing about what you just said was evolving. Be willing to be curious. There's, there's no, every, get your frame and then be curious, figure it out, you know, (laughs) right? Yes. Yes. And see more and more specifically the women in the community are starting to step out of this whole dogmatic thinking and saying, okay, look, I'm not saying this is what you need to do, or this is going to happen to you, but this is what happened to me. And just so you don't, if you're going through the same thing, you don't feel alone. And I love that. And I love that message. And I was like, yes, you know, (laughs) and grace and grace, right? Like, I mean, okay. uh, Yes. I, I'm not perfect. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to eat carnivore perfect all the time. I don't have to, I know what works for me. It's my frame. I can go out of the lines if I know what works for me and then I can bring it back if it doesn't, but trying different things and realizing what my biology is best suited for is the key and the dogmatic stuff out there is just going to cause more anxiety and sickness and illness so i love carnivore for me i love the frame of it i believe in it but i also know there are people on that on the outskirts that it won't work for and that's okay and so i think honoring that and without judgment is key (laughs) 
that's it. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> and it's like, what? who cares? If it works for you, great. I, I think, and when I work with my clients now, I'm very, very uh, strong about the not saying this is the way it is. Now I, I try to give them a, a reference point. So they have a point to start out. And then I tell them, I can't tell you what your body needs. I can tell you where I think you probably should start. And then it's up to you. You have to do the work. You have to do the experimenting. You, it's your body. I don't know what you're feeling. I, I mean, you can tell me certain things, but I am not you. So I can only guide you and, you know, listen to you and, you know, kind of give you some pointers and those kind of things. Totally. hundred percent. And I think for me, it wasn't about, it was about health for me. Like everything is about how it vitality, everything I do now is that's my value. My value is never like standing on stages. Like that's not my value. <laughs> like <laughs> Who told me that was okay. Like that was not okay with me. That's not who I am. I don't, I, it's not my value. My value is I want to be able to go ski with my daughter. I want to be able to jump out of airplane if I want to. I want to be able to hike to the top of the mountain whenever I want, right? So for me, eating in this particular way and within this frame helps me live into that value. And that is the key. So, so I think instead of us thinking about what science says is best or what the industry says is best, it's like, no, find your value. What are you looking for? What do you want to create in your life? And if you want more energy and vitality, eat for that. And the form mm -hmm. follows that function. Our form follows that function. And that's the missing piece, in my opinion. I love that. I love that. Okay. We talked a little bit beforehand and when you were in this whole uh, fitness thing, you know, the being on stage and all that, you know, people look at that and they, they recognize, I'm sure that you go through a lot of hard work. Yes. But I don't really think that people fully understand what it cost you. Yeah, this is something, uh, thank you for asking me this. This is uh Something I still, I just, I told you off camera too, that I struggle with. Um, but I want to go back just a second into that moment and then what it's cost me long-term because the moment I, I was, you know, 27, 26, I started competing, right? So at 26, even to 34, right? Like, it's like, you're super, your body's resilient. Like, I mean, I mean it is like, I can take a lot. It could take a lot. And so you know, you don't think about it as much during that time because you're just enduring to endure, right? Mm -hmm. You're not enduring for any other reason. You're just enduring to, to do this thing. You don't really, you know, attach any mindfulness to it. So you're just doing and going and doing and doing. And during that time, I developed massive thyroid issues, um, pituitary gland issues, reproductive health issues, insomnia, Hashimoto's, um, it, to the point where I lost my hair, my hair was falling out, my eyelashes were falling out. Um, so everything that people think is healthy and beautiful, I wasn't sleeping. I mean, it was, it was horrible. So all these images of like health and beauty. Meanwhile, everything about me was fake because I, <laughs> I was sick. I was literally sick at three o'clock. There was no way I could get off of my couch to even go to my daughter's gymnastics meet. My mom had to come in and, and help me with a lot of things because I was so disconnected, so disconnected from my relationships, from my body, from my health, 
because all that mattered was that thing that I was attached to, right? That external value. And so during that time, which was really frustrating to me was I was working with only Western doctors at the time because I didn't know any better or have the wherewithal to look deeper. It was like, oh, you're in the normal range in the beginning. Oh, you're in the normal. Every time I would go and I'm like, no, something's not right. Like my hair is falling out. Like things are wrong with me. Oh, you're still normal because this bell curve that we're working off of. I'm like, no, I'm a 34 year old woman. This is not normal. I haven't had my cycle in six years. This is not normal. Whoa. And, and so as I was told, I was fine. I just thought I was, I was like, am I crazy? Like, this is like some, I started to question my own sanity about what I knew was healthy and what wasn't. So long story short, all those things happened to me. So I, I developed Hashimoto's massive thyroid issues. Um, I, I still was not still to this day have been unable to get back my cycle naturally. So, um, because of that, I, I have a lot of shame. Um, looking back on it now, I was so disconnected from my truth and so powerless over judgment of others that I allowed that to dictate the trajectory of my health and my life. Because now, even if I had wanted to, I couldn't have another baby. Um, I suffer now with this thyroid condition that I'll have forever. And I recently told this story to my community, but I'm going to tell you, Amber, um, and your community. But I, last week, I, again, had my neck and back were thrown out when I was in the gym lifting. And it happens a lot. And I like to try to pretend that I don't know what it's from, right? There was this part of me where I was like, no. It's not from bulimia and anorexia and all these things. And I finally came to my community and I was like, you know, I had so much shame around this because I always have these upper neck and back problems now. And my upper neck and back problems aren't just by happenstance, right? They're from osteopenia, right? Osteoarthritis in my upper back and neck. They're from overuse and the ligaments breaking down from throwing up for years. And the shame of that, the shame of the cost of living into an external value is heartbreaking for me and my integrity as a human being on this planet. And so dealing with that shame, and you can see it still affects me, is hard to talk about, but I need to. And, I, and, I, and I'm on mission to talk about these things because this is what happens when we get into that external value, overwhelm and pressure. Like I was in a pressure cooker and ladies, I know there's men watching too, but this is for you two men. It, it, see this in your wives, see this in your daughters, see this in your spouses, mm -hmm. see this in the people you love, because sometimes it's so well hidden. You can't, you can't find it unless you dig deep. And, and I want to just share with women, please, please reach out for support because this can have long-term consequences that you might not be aware of right now, but now I suffer from them and I will for the rest of my life. And it's a reminder of me not honoring my truth, me not being authentic and living in integrity. And so this is the, this is the message I want to share. And this is my mission is that our values and connecting to your intrinsic values and then living into them without worrying about the external world or fitting in or getting kicked out of the tribe is the only way to fulfillment. 
is the only way to fulfillment and your health and your emotional health and your relationships and how you show up in the world. So, so thank you for asking. And those are the things that I battle and the things that my nutrition has had to change, obviously in a very drastic way, but carnivore supports my mind. Number one, it supports my clarity. It supports my vision and it also supports my health, my physical health. And it's allowed me to get out of that um, obsessive compulsive behavior with food. It's calmed my mind down. It's calmed my anxiety. And for me, fueling myself in this way is healing my thyroid. It's healing a lot of things. And so that's why I believe in it for myself. And that's why it, it's now my frame. And I don't care what everyone else has to say. This is what works for me. That's awesome. And I, I love your passion for trying to share what you experienced because that's why I do what I do because goodness knows we don't do it for the money because there is no money. Okay. And it's like, I don't want anybody else to have to suffer because they didn't have, don't have the knowledge. Like I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't know. I just happened to stumble across some something and it triggered this whole you know event that has transformed my life what if I knew that 40 years ago I wouldn't have had to suffer the way I did and so if I can help even one person not have to do what I did because of some little something I said yes amen I'm with you <laughs> sis. I'm with you and that's my whole mission also. And I've told, I've said it out loud and I'll say it again. I'm on mission to help a million women support them and get out of this. I am on mission. And, and I know you are too, like you are on mission to get your message out. And, it, and you're right. It's not for when you're, when you're devoted instead of disciplined, you're devoted to your mission mm -hmm. instead of having to be disciplined to do, do, do. And instead it comes from this internal devotion to supporting other people. Yes. That. <laughs> That's fulfillment. And so for me, I'm devoted, I'm committed. And, um, I know, and I know you are too. And that's why when I said, even off camera, I reached out to you because I felt your passion and your connection to really wanting to support and help. So thank you for being a stand. Oh, thank you. Yes. That's, that's exactly it because it's just, I think so important and, you know, so many messages get lost, but I, I just love how you're talking about, this, this whole perfection myth. And let's face it, come on, the way our society is, magazines, you name it, you, and I still do it. And I, I try to catch myself, but you know, I'll, I'll be flipping through a magazine or something. And I'm like, God, dog, I want her abs. <clears throat> but then I have to go, are you really willing to do what it takes to get those abs? I always say. Are you really genetically dispositioned to just have those apps? No. Okay. No. And then I got to think, mm, yeah, no, maybe I, do, I really don't really need those apps after all. It's so interesting how, and, and let me, let's just be clear. Most of those people are 30 or less, right? And they've got really good mm -hmm. genes. I mean, let's just be really clear. Like there's, yes. there's a component here. We all need to just be honest about the second thing is I, I've told, and I even tell my, my daughter this and my stepdaughter this all the time is, is like, do you want to know what I had to go through to look like that Instagram girl? 
do you want to know that I hadn't eaten for three days? I'd eat, I'd taken diuretics and I'd have barely drank any water. Do you, do, is that what you want to do? And then the <laughs> next day I look like a normal human again. So, so it's just, I, I think that there's such a misconception there. And every time I scroll and I see it, it does trigger me sometimes mm-hmm. I have to admit, but then I think about the pain that I went through mm-hmm. to have that is so not worth it. And the way that I feel now in my body I'm healthier than I've ever been. I have more energy than I've ever had in my life. And yes, I might not have a six pack, but I'm at a healthy weight. I'm, my blood works good and I can do and be everything I want to do and be. And that's the message. So yeah, maybe those girls on Instagram look great. Maybe the girls in the magazine look great. And I, and I, I was part of the problem. I was, I, I did this. I lied. I was like, yeah, I'm healthy and fit, but I haven't eaten for three days. I mean, that's what I was putting out there. But, but what's going on behind the scenes and underneath, I guarantee you don't want any part of. I guarantee you don't want any part of that. And what you do want a part of is finding what works for you that's going to keep your mind and body happy. It's going to keep you in the most energetic state, clear, so that you can actually live into your purpose and values and not live into this external vision of what we think we should be. And instead, remember who you forgot you are. I love that. And that's it. We have forgotten to remember who we really are because we're force fed what we should be. And I always say, stop shooting on yourself. <laughs> like, stop shooting on yourself. No, realign, realign, restructure. Once you get that, and once we step out of the rat race and come back into what we truly are, who we are, then we can set our vision, not the other way around. People set all these goals, Amber. It's like, you're setting yeah. goals and you don't even know what matters to you. No, 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 no. So I work with my clients backwards. We, we figure out, okay, who did you, who are you really? What do you really want? What really matters to you without the external? And then let's set a vision and goals based in that. Right. I love that. Love yeah. it. Love it. I have to tell you a story real quick. Okay, good. <laughs> um, and it just popped in my mind and, and I, I haven't thought about this in years, but when I was doing my crazy workouts, I, I was not, you know, into fitness modeling or anything like that, but I had a issue, a disorder to where I spent two to five hours a day in the gym doing all, all kinds of crazy stuff, uh, tons and tons of cardio because I loved it like Zumba and y- y- every, everything I was going to four different gyms. Okay. So I was obsessive note. And, and it was like six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. Anyway, there was this uh, one girl that was at one of our gyms and I always worked out with my friend and um, I I would see her and I would just be in awe. And I was, I couldn't hate her because she was so freaking perfect and nice at the same time. And so, you know how you just really want to hate people. You want them to be (laughs) nasty or something so you can have a reason to hate them. But I I couldn't, I, she was absolutely freaking adorable. And one day, Uh, I went up to her and now after listening to you, I feel really bad about this, but I went up to her and I said, I just want you to know that you are freaking amazing. You are the absolute version of perfection. And if I could be anybody right now, I would be you. Yeah. Yeah. And I meant it because I would look at her and I would just, and like I said, I couldn't even hate her because she was just so everything, you know, <laughs> imagine what pressure she was under. Right. Yeah. Well, she told me, yes, she told me, she goes, I appreciate that. But let me just tell you, 
you have no idea what I do to look like this. She goes, you you don't want that. And it, you know, it kind of struck me, but then, you know, now I'm thinking, God, what did I do to her? You know, what did that comment do to her? She was obviously already doing what, what you were going through. I mean, I, I didn't know her personally, so I don't, I don't know her background. I don't know if she was doing the fitness modeling or I, I don't know, but I mean, she was man. I mean, seriously, if you look up perfection, it would be her. Yeah. But I, like you I said, in the inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. saw story with a woman that went to my, would come to my gym for like 10 years and one day she she came to me and she said, thank you for saying this because I thought something was wrong with me because I couldn't ever look like you. And I was doing everything that you were doing. And I thought, what am I doing wrong? And when I finally came out, Amber, she was like, thank you for saying this because you gave me permission to be not perfect. Yes. And she (laughs) thought, she thought there was something wrong with her because she couldn't look the way that I looked, even though she worked out like I did and ate the way I told her to eat, right? But meanwhile, I was a hypocrite and I was lying. And so I was, I was part of the problem. And, and so when she said that to me, it was like just an affirmation that I, I need to keep saying this. I need to keep talking about this over mm-hmm. and over again until yes. I can't talk about it anymore. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. I, I think that's so important. And wow I can't believe I I did that now knowing what I know oh, you didn't no. know no and I meant it in such a huge compliment yeah. but you know I try to compliment people as kind of like one of the things I do I try to find something to compliment people with because I think it's so important because how, how often does that happen and like my husband and I we do every so often you know like if somebody is really a good like say a, a server at a restaurant and we really like them. How often do you really go out of your way to let management know that that person is, is special uh, versus if they made a mistake, oh boy, you'd be calling the manager over, right? So we, we kind of take it like if there's somebody that we feel is really special, we will call the manager over, you know, and they're always come over like, oh God, what? And then we're like, we just want to let you know, you know, so complimenting, I think is so important, but oh man, you know. <laughs> well, you only know what you know in that moment, right? Yeah. And, and I agree with the compliment thing. And I, I think what what I do want to share is something that we do with that compliment piece that could be supportive for your audience too is we have so I have a daughter, my husband has a daughter and they're 13 and 14. So my husband has and most men do like, oh you look so cute or you look so beautiful, honey. And so we've tried to shift that. And so what what we do is we only give compliments in our home that are based in who you be, not what you do. So, right. Like, so our compliments to people. And when I try to compliment now, like I did with you before we got on the show is I want to compliment only the things about who you be intrinsically, not about what you do. Right. It's, it's mm-hmm. your, your actual state of being. And I think that that's a really valuable thing too. So like the waitress, for example, it's like, wow, you're, I can tell you're a really committed person. And that's really admirable right? Instead of, wow, you've got here on time and, and you, you went fast, <laughs> right? It's like, no, like you're a really, I can tell you're a really generous person. Like the mm-hmm. generosity shows through. And I think we miss that in our culture too. We forget to compliment people on who they actually be instead of what they do. Like we're always saying, oh, you're, you're so good at, at this, or you're so good at performing, right? And it's like, no, you, it's performance isn't about what you do. Mm-hmm. When I talk about performance, it's about who you be, because when you're aligned with that, everything else is just gravy. 
I love that. That's great. Right? <laughs> I never really thought about it, about it that way, but yeah, that, that's very, very true. Okay, let me check the time here. Ooh, okay. I just want you to touch real quick. Cause I think actually you've kind of covered a lot of this, but you mentioned in one of your posts about sometimes you are the abuser and the victim at the same time. What does that mean? Isn't that an interesting concept to think about? Mm -hmm. Very. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the abuser, right, is, is the behavior that you can't get away from. It's the behavior as the abuser, right? Being the abuser is a behavior that you know is harming you, right? You know is harming you and you keep doing it no matter what you try to stop doing, right? No matter what you try to stop doing, you're still a slave to this behavior. And the behavior is so self-deprecating that you become a victim to your story. And what I mean by that is a victim to your story is you abuse yourself, but the victim story is still there, right? And the victim story that I ran for so long is I'm, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough, mm -hmm. right? And I'm a victim of that. I'm a victim of that. So I'm going to have to stay in this punishment, right? Because I don't deserve anything better. And so there's this cycle of that. And I think that that cycle is why we get stuck in those behaviors is, is we victimize ourselves so that we don't deserve it. We can't have more. And then the abuser comes out and keeps us a victim. So it's this cycle that we get into that we can't break. And, and I think that when you start to, I, I teach these, there's four reasons I think people self-sabotage. Well, I know because I've worked with a lot of women and they usually fall in these four categories. I was all four, just saying. But, <laughs> but when I break down these four way, reasons why we self-sabotage, why we become the victim and the abuser, it's really eye-opening for women. And you don't really realize it until you dig deep enough to uncover it. And so when I dug deep enough to uncover it, I pinpointed the exact moment in my life where I decided I was a victim. And I pinpointed the exact moment in my life when I decided that I didn't deserve not to be. And then when I backed into that and reverse engineered it, I created the system to get you out of that. And it's, um, it's pretty magical. And that's how I, so I, I, after all the trainings and so many therapists and retreats and mindset and leadership trainings and everything I did under the sun for, and spent my life savings, right? <laughs> Trying to get well and figure out what worked for me. I finally figured it out. So I took from everything and took the things that worked for me and still work for me and then developed my own way of giving that to other women. I love that. Can you say the four things or, yeah. or is, is that like a whole nother no, episode? I can. Okay. I can. It's just, um, if I say the four things, I don't want it to confuse people because there's, there's a lot of backstory with all of them, but I'll say them. And then if right. your audience has questions, okay. can just get in touch with me. Okay. So the first one is low self-concept, okay. low self-concept. Okay. The second one is fear of change. Okay. The third one is self-protection. The fourth one is shame and self-deprecation. Yeah. 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 So those are the four main reasons after all the women I've worked with, they're usually in one of those four categories, if not all. And, and I found through the traumas, experiences, things that we hold in our subconscious that I actually could pinpoint all four of them. 
um, in my past. And so, so that's a starting point with understanding how to shift out of it um, as, as it goes to those four. And then I have tools for each of those four. Nice. I love that. Okay. Um, so if somebody wanted to work with you, like, how do you do that? Is, is everything virtual, you know, like how we're talking now? And so you can help somebody and I'll have all her information below, by the way, if anybody want, wants to get in touch with her, but, um, I think you're fabulous and wow, I could do like a whole nother episode. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to have to have you on again and maybe just talk about that last portion that, that we just had and expand on that. And if anybody's interested in that, let me know below, but, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure getting to know you more, Jennifer, and thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm really grateful that I was able to share my story. Me too. I think it's going to help a lot of people because I think it's so important your messages. And so again, thank you. Bye, Jennifer.